You're listening to another leadership podcast by Pastor Jurgen Metesius, lead pastor at C3 Church in San Diego. For more information, go to c3sandiego.com. Hey, everybody out there in podcast land, Pastor Jurgen Metesius here, not with Pastor James Murray. Can you believe it? James Murray is not here. I'm here with Pastor David Chittick. We tried to find another fill-in for... For Pastor James Murray, we went everywhere. We went to a kindergarten, but the IQ was too high. We went, we just went everywhere. We couldn't find anyone. We tried uh, to get a mime, but uh, he was a little too expressive. And uh, so, anyway, we're here with Pastor David Chittick, the fearless, uh, my city youth pastor, the awesome North Campus campus pastor. Legend, his wife's about to have a baby any day now, any day. and uh, he's just a great man of God. So we're gonna have fun today, David. I can't wait. I'm I'm excited. Uh, so really quickly, we wanted to uh, before we get into this month's podcast, we wanted to touch on something coming up exciting for all of our women in next month. Actually, the 17th through 19th of October, our Cherish Women's Conference coming up. Come on, Cherish Women's Conference is going to be amazing. Who's speaking at it this year? So we have Pastor John Burns, who is unbelievable. Will be here. Better than Canadian bacon. <laughs> Much better he than Canadian, Canadian bacon. But no bacon. He's going to bring the bacon. He He's is. He is a relationships guru. That's true. He so is. So love, is. sex, dating, relationships. That's him. He's the man. We also have Pastor Jillian Cameron from I New love Zealand. John and Jillian from New Zealand are phenomenal. Jillian's a little powerhouse. Fastest growing church in New Zealand. That's going to be awesome. Yep, going to be great. And then Pastor Leanne, who I know has got a phenomenal word for all of the ladies already. Yeah, she's my favorite preacher. She is. She's my favorite yeah. women preacher. Don't tell my wife that. Okay. Oops. We better not go yeah. there. But uh, but uh, but Leanne at the same time has got uh, as brave as the theme this year, and she's got someone yeah. who's actually got a testimony of nine eleven who was actually there Incredible. as towers began to crank, come crashing down. What they did. And how in a moment where everyone was fleeing the city, how they rallied, said, no, God's called us to this city, began uh, prayer meetings in Central Park and brought hope to the city. And literally their church exploded out of that. Wow. And uh, someone who got you know, diagnosed with terminal cancer 10 days after their, their uh, wedding vows. Hmm. So 10 days into the, the, wed- the new marriage, diagnosed terminal with cancer. But that young lady has completely beaten the cancer, been healed, and has an incredible story, but it was because she was brave. So if you're a lady or you're married to a lady or you know a lady or you were born from a lady, uh, (laughs) then you need to get that lady along to brave because I'm telling you, God, there's a word that God is speaking to women right now, and it's brave, that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. We want to love power and a sound mind. So many people are powerless because they've gone down the road of fear. And God doesn't want you on that path. He wants you on the path of being brave. So so get registered, cherish coming up in October, www.c3sandiego.com, and you can register for Cherish online. Online, absolutely. Great. Well, let's get into this thing today. Uh, what we wanted to do, Pastor Jurgen, was chat through and get your wisdom and insight on building culture. What we saw is our central campus has just launched and opened up. And, you know, the night before we opened up, it looked like the building wasn't even going to open. And it looked like construction was finished. And that night we had a couple hundred of our volunteers come out 
who were willing to come out, who were loving to come out, came out, sacrificing, giving of their time. Some of them who were actually moving at that time, their house came out, put that on hold to come and build the house of God. So what we saw in that was this culture of my heart is connected to the house of God and I want to build God's house so he builds my house. So in this podcast, we just want to chat through building culture uh, how do we build it? Your wisdom on building it. Um, so I'll, I'll let you you take it from here. So um, w- one of the, one of the questions is this: We had hundreds of volunteers come out and volunteer. Why did we get that to happen? Was it something were we paying them for it? Were we uh, really encouraging them, or was it something that was ingrained in in our DNA of the house? Well, you know, Pastor David, I was really really humbled at the. It was a very much a spontaneous thing. But, um, you know, I was exercising faith as a senior pastor to see the church finished and complete for our opening date on September 8th. You know, we'd been going eight years and we chose September the 8th to launch an eight campaign, eight weeks of big meetings. And on September 8th, I really wanted, you know, the, the floors finished, the bathrooms done, all the tiling, all the lighting, all the sound our extraordinary uh, LED screen, 33 foot long, you know, 16 feet high. Like I was, I was kind of putting all my, my faith towards a finished product, extraordinary kids church, extraordinary everything. And then uh, when we came in on the Wednesday, I mean, on the Wednesday, it looked like we still had another three weeks of wow. uh, construction left. And then, you know, even on the Friday, to, to think that we're gonna be opening in two days, you know, my wife said to me, should we postpone? Should we just send out a... And I said, we can't. We are, we are strapped to this, to this rocket and uh, we can't get off whether we like it or not. Yeah. And to, to then see people just come from everywhere. And like you said, some people who, you know, who were literally moving into their home that they closed mm-hmm. escrow on that day, put that on hold to come and help us. I mean, people were... We had people that didn't sleep, you yeah. know, that, that, that Friday came in and didn't sleep till you know Sunday, because they were so committed to to getting the sound, the lighting, everything cleaned. It was it was phenomenal. It was really humbling. And I remember driving home on the Sunday night, very much relieved, exhausted, elated, thankful to God. And the Holy Spirit said to me, He said, "Did you see the you know the awesomeness of your church?" And I thought He meant the building. And I said, "Well, God, you know." That's not the that LED wall's not the one that we've got. It's not the thirty-three foot one, and you know the, uh, the the ceiling in the foyer wasn't finished, and the bathrooms were only three quarters done, and the kids' church was. And it's like, no, no, I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about your people. Wow. The awesomeness of your church is. So, and I, and now I'm so glad because if I could go back in time, I wouldn't change anything. Because what I saw was I saw people that have a heart for the house of God. Yeah. And people that volunteer, and Psalm 110 verse three says, "Your your servants shall be volunteers, or your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power." And when people recognize that this is the day of God's power, it's amazing what will happen. So I think that the first culture that you have to build, and uh, you know, we're talking about building culture. Culture culture is either built by design or by default. So whether you realize it or not, your church has a culture. It's not, you know, oh, we need to build a culture. It's your church has a culture. What is it? Are you happy with it? And is that culture good? And just let me say this, that the reason culture is important is because 
we've heard the saying, and it's true to a degree, but it's not 100% true. People say, if you sow good seed in good soil, you're going to get a good harvest. Mm-hmm. You know, Pastor, if you sow good seed in good soil, you're going to get a good harvest. And, uh, and I believe that to like 90%, but there's a factor that's not involved in there is that um, you can't grow citrus fruits in Alaska. I can't remember the last time I got a box of oranges from Alaska. And, uh, and Alaska's got some good soil, but it's not conducive to grow. There, there are certain climates that like, you have to go to warmer climates to grow citrus fruits. But then there are things that grow in Ohio and there are things that grow in Nebraska that don't grow so well in the warmer tropical climates. So, so even though you've got good seed and you've got good soil, you need to also understand that there's a, there's a, a culture or an environment that produces certain things. And so as a pastor, I've got to ask myself, what kind of culture am I building into my church and that culture has to be conducive to growing Christians. For example, you can't grow, you know, conquering, prosperous, big thinking, overcoming Christians in a culture of small-minded, pessimistic, negative, fear-based leadership. You know, and I can't tell you over the years how many times I've been in churches in different places and they want breakthrough and the pastor will even preach about prosperity and the law of reciprocity and being generous and and he's not generous and he's got a poverty mentality and and you know the 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 carpet is 15 years old and this you know stuff's damaged and it's not fixed and there's scuff marks on the wall and and uh and it's like no no the poverty mentality exists in you so you're bringing people into an environment that doesn't inspire them that doesn't and so so culture is everything because culture helps those it helps you to, to produce the fruit that you want to produce. You, that's how you grow what you want to grow. Wow, that's phenomenal. So, Pastor Jurgen, would you say then, is culture something that is best communicated from stage? Is it something that you would have classes for where, where your people can get culture in, in a class that's run maybe on a Sunday or a Monday night? Is it something that comes from more one-on-one uh, conversations and relationships? What would you say the best way is of developing a culture within your church? Um, I, I, I think that you know Genesis 11 says when the Lord came down to see the tower that the, the men were building and he saw that they had one language, they had one speech and one purpose. And, and it was all the people had one language, one speech. And so, so the, the greatest way to build a culture has to start at the head. So, you know, God communicates to, to the pastors. And then from the pastors, they communicate to their team. Then their team have to communicate. So, so really, the effectiveness of culture is the, basically dependent upon the pastor or the leader's ability to effectively infect his leaders, his staff, his team with the one language, one speech, one vision, one heart. So what's in the senior leader has got to be in the parishioner. It's got to go all the way through the, the, the movement. So the youth pastor's on the same page, the children's pastor's on the same page, the administrator's on the same page, the finance manager's on the same page, the pastoral care director, everybody's on the same page. We all we all speak. And I think that, that when we find you know, some some strong idiosyncrasies in churches. It's because maybe that church has become so departmentalized that 
you know, the, the pastoral care director, he's right into Israel and he's got, you know, he's got all this, you know, Jewish flag paraphernalia, but the senior pastor's into winning his city. And now you've got this, and I'm not, you know, like I'm pro-Israel, but, but you know, if you're on staff, it's whatever's in your senior pastor's heart, you know. And, uh, and so you've got to have one language, you've got to have one speech. So it begins from the pulpit, it breaks down into classes, but then even then, like um, every leadership every leadership class, seminar, teaching, instruction in the church has got to carry the same values. And so first of all, with leadership or developing culture, you've got to actually define what is the culture that you're building. It's like, um, you know, Ford doesn't kind of throw a whole lot of metal into a shop and then a whole lot of uh, people that can weld and some engineers and then, you know, wait, with bated breath at the other end going, oh, I wonder what they're gonna produce. Oh, I wonder what the car's gonna look like. They actually know, they actually have a blueprint, they have a schematic, they have diagrams all being written. They know what they wanna produce down to the, the, the last detail, down to the, the bolt, the upholstery, the leather, the interior, everything uh, is in there. And I think a lot of times churches or uh, youth ministries or even organizations fly aimlessly because we never give thought to, to building culture. And so we've got to build culture, but we've got to be purpose in building that culture. And then that culture has to be a culture that produces the kind of Christians or the kind of people that we want. So we want to build, you know, I don't want to build people who are dependent on me on pe build people who know how to go to God. You know, it's, it's amazing how many churches, and especially if you're an insecure pastor or a pastor that thrives on being needed, your value is tied up in approval and, and being needed. Uh, you're not too keen actually to get people to, uh, you know, to be dependent upon God, independent of you. But yet the Bible says in the book of James, is anyone among you suffering, James 5.13, let him pray. If anyone among you is suffering, let him pray. But I've found in, in church, if anyone's suffering, let, let him get the pastor to pray. Hey, Pastor, can you right. pray for me? I'm suffering. Pastor, you got to pray. I'm going through a hard time. That's I'm right. really And I'm suffering here. Well, James 5.13. And so, you know, it depends. And so you've got to look at yourself. If you want to build a, a church where people are strong, people can shambra, people know how to pray, people know how to get after it, people know how to fight for their marriage, fight for their kids, fight for breakthrough, fight for their family, people know how to invade the marketplace and bring back a harvest of finances into the church. Well, you can't be the pastor that, you know, lovey-doveys everybody and, hey, if anyone's suffering, come to me and I'll pray for you because all you do is you handicap them. You, you now have disabled them or enabled them by, by having them dependent upon your prayers and because you're the man of God. So you're never going to have a church that flourishes, that thrives, that's prosperous because you've established a wrong culture right from the outset. Wow, that's, that's phenomenal. So speaking of developing the culture that you want in your church, Pastor Leanne actually did a message uh, about Brilliant a month message. ago called yeah. The Culture Code, yeah. where she had touched on um, yeah. what is our culture here at yeah. C3 San Diego. So I'll, I'll just um, uh, describe two of the, the cultures that, that mm -hmm. she had talked about mm -hmm. and just let you talk on them yeah. and, and what is yeah. that culture in our church. The first one was, a culture of excellence. Yeah. So we want at C3 San Diego to have a culture of excellence. So what yeah. is a culture of excellence and how do you cultivate that culture of excellence? A lot of people get scared by excellence and they think that excellence is perfectionism or they think that excellence is opulence. And excellence is neither. 
Excellence is actually doing the very, very best with what you have. And, uh, you know, you, you, you don't have to spend a lot of money uh, to be excellent. Excellent is you see a piece of paper on the floor, you pick that up. Now, you may not have the, the budget to upgrade your carpet, but that doesn't mean that you, you allow there to be lots of runs in the carpet or stains on the carpet or whatever. So excellence is, is very much on how things look, how things appear, because we're not re representing ourselves, we're representing God. And so when people walk in and this is broken or that bulbs out or this is cracked or there's a run in the carpet or there's a stain here, a scuff mark there, or when they look on the stage and, you know, this person's in flip-flops, that one's in shorts, this one's in jeans, that person's, you know, hasn't really looked like they haven't had time to do their hair or their makeup, then, you know, what you're communicating is you're communicating that, that excellence is not a priority. And so excellence has to be reflected. We have to get people to put on literally their Sunday best. And a Sunday best, you know, kind of uh, degenerated into, you know, a cheap suit and tie. That's not what we're talking about. But we're talking about, you know, wear your best clothes. You know, put, put, put your hair together the best. Put your makeup on the best. Wear your best shoes. Wear your best smile. Bring your best attitude to church on Sunday. If you're on the stage, you lead with excellence. You are smiling, you're engaging, you're vivacious, you are dressed well, you are groomed well, you are better than any of the, the models or the mannequins that you see in H&M and uh, Abercrombie and Fitch, any of those places, like, it, it's excellence. And, it, and it's, gotta, it's gotta pervade everything that we do. Excellence is when somebody fills out a volunteer form, they get a call that week. When somebody makes a commitment to Christ, they get a call the next day you know, within 24 hours. That's excellence is returning calls. Excellence is punctuality. Uh, excellence is, is seen in our integrity. In our, uh, excellence is please, thank you. It's common courtesies. It's, it's manners. And, uh, you know, that's a spirit of excellence. And, and it's something because the reason you have to have excellence as one of your cultures, or I, I'm just going to put it out there and say that you need to, it's because human nature doesn't move towards excellence. It always moves towards mediocrity. Uh, you know, it moves towards, oh, what can I get away with? Oh, the shoes are, you know, I, I'm going to wear, oh, you know, I know these aren't the best jeans, but I just feel comfortable in them. Oh, you know, I know I probably should say please, but it's too much effort. Oh, you know, I should probably brush my hair, but I'm running late. And so, and so human nature always moves towards mediocrity and, and, leadership challenges people hey turn the ship around turn towards excellence begin to push yourself towards excellence because the lord deserves it and jesus said you know let your works be seen by men that they may glorify your father in heaven so again there's this stupid false humility that you know we ought to slap in the head that well you know it's just you know the lord sees the heart yeah absolutely the lord sees heart, but we're not here to reach the lord you know, the Lord already reached us. We're here to right. reach people. Yeah. And Jesus said, let your works be seen by men that they may glorify your Father in heaven. But most, most you know, Christian churches have works that are seen by men that don't glorify the Father in heaven. They, they flip and bewilder the Father in heaven. They're like, man, these guys flip and got a poverty. Man, are you sure that you're Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides? Because they look like they're flipping strapped for cash over there and... Are you sure that you're the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, that you're, you're a God that never changes? 
because they look like they're flipping, got, just got out of a time capsule and they're still stuck in the 70s That's with their carpet, with their dress, with their music and their carry-ons. So, so you know, excellence absolutely, Pastor Dave, is, is paramount. Yeah, that's great. Now, there, there were some other uh, things in cultures that Pastor Leon had touched on. I re- really recommend you get in that podcast and listening to it. Um, another one that she had brought up, and this is this is one that is for our church, but but I really strongly suggest all you leaders and pastors out there getting a hold of these because these are things that translate to every ministry and every church, regardless of your denomination. And it was this, it was a culture of acceptance, a culture of acceptance. So, so what is C3 San Diego's culture of acceptance and how, again, do we cultivate and build that culture of acceptance? You know, a lot of, a lot of people have gotten confused because we live in the age where um, tolerance is the buzzword. And, uh, you know, to to- tolerance is, is so destructive. And tolerance has come out of... Uh, pretty much a spirit of uh, rebellion plus a, a need for wanting to be accepted. And what the church has done poorly is had a, had a spirit of acceptance. So, you know, I come in, you know, and uh, but I, you know, I was a drug, drug user and I, I think that God extends grace to drug users and love to drug users. But, you know, when I hear that somebody's been committing adultery, flip, throw them out of the church, they shouldn't even be in the church, they're an adulterous man. Flip the church is not for a place for adulterers. That guy's it. And so what we always do is we always want grace for our sin, for our struggle, but we're very quick to judge other people. And so church has to become a place of acceptance. It has to be a place where people from all walks of life are able to walk into the house of God. But let me just say this, acceptance is not approval. So, for example, you know, on... on just these last two weekends, we, we found that we had, uh, you know, the person in our church who was born female but had an operation, has been living not as a female but came to our church and got absolutely robbed. And we haven't said anything to them. We haven't asked them to do anything but says that they're actually so convicted and now that they're saved, want to go back to who God originally made them to be as a woman. Now, obviously, they've got a journey to walk through and there's going to be a lot of uh, therapy and help that they're going to need and deliverance, but but we didn't put that on them. That happened as a result of the fact that we just loved them and accepted them. Jesus loved and accepted the woman caught in adultery, but then said to her, "Go and sin no more." And so there's a lot of churches that are fearful of of a culture of acceptance because they think that acceptance is approval. You know, we had uh, you know we had a young lady and her partner, you know, in church on on Sunday and uh, you know and again there's just there's just confusion there and there's everything but they felt loved I took time with them and loved over them and prayed for them had a word for them you know there were tears and everything and so so acceptance is that hey you know God came down into our mess we've got to be willing to put up with a little mess and help people walk out their journey now some people may not be looking to change and that's what the Bible is. The, the Bible is, is, is a book that basically says that God is holy and we're not. But God requires us to be holy. And, uh, you know, you can't have both. You can't have both Christ and your sin. At, at some point, you've got to let go of one or the other. And uh, we're trying to say, keep hold of Christ. Because one day you'll be in heaven. And these struggles and these issues you won't have anymore. 
and those struggles and those issues are not worth missing out on heaven. And likewise, those struggles and issues are not worth missing out on the blessing of God and the goodness of God and all that God has for you here. And Pastor David, if I was really honest with you, um, you know, I've been following Christ for 28 years. In 28 years of following Christ, uh, one of my testimonies is coming to Christ. He's actually changed the desires of my heart. And uh, that's Psalm 37 verse 4. If you do delight yourself in the Lord, He will give you the desires of your heart. So you may have desires right now that you can't control or whatever, uh, but when you come into the house of God, as you delight yourself in the Lord, you'll be amazed at what God is able to do. And so, you know, I know the whole gay marriage and all that kind of stuff is out there and there's this fight, you know, for people to, to validate their, their lifestyle. And we accept everybody, but that doesn't mean that we approve of everybody. What we have to preach the Bible because that's what God says. And, uh, and I know that from me coming in with my own thoughts to me laying those things on an altar and, and picking up what God wants for me, I, my life could not be better. When I lived life my way, it was miserable. When I live life God's way, it is filled with satisfaction, blessing, and peace. Absolutely incredible. So all you people listening out there to this podcast, make sure you're taking notes on all that because that was gold straight from heaven. So why don't we, as we come to a close, let me just ask this last couple questions is for all those young leaders out there who are maybe just started a church who have been running for maybe one, two, three, four years who have been communicating culture and trying to build culture but still don't see it yet. Uh, this question to you is, how long does it take to build culture? And how do you know when you have a good culture in your organization or in your church? You know, Pastor Brian Houston told me a number of years ago that it takes five years to establish culture. It takes five years to build a culture in a church. Because, because what happens is, as your church is new and as your church is growing, you are, you are attracting people from various other churches and various other backgrounds who bring their own culture with them. And most, most of the time, the reason those people have left those other churches is because there's some, some level of uh, stubbornness or resistance to change or uh, teachability that's not there. And, and so they, they bring their stuff hoping that you will either validate them, tolerate them, or more than anything, exonerate them to a position of leadership because hey don't look at my don't look at my messed up family my messed up finances my messed up marriage i've got a prophecy gift mm. that you need to unleash yeah. and uh and so so it takes about five years for you to get your own people saved filled with you know with the holy ghost baptized into you and baptized into your culture into your way and it, it really takes about five years so so, you know, it's, this is not a sprint, it's a marathon, this is not for the faint-hearted, and uh, this is not for the people who just kind of want to be in and out in a few years. You've you got to be committed to the long haul. But, we're, we're, you know, we're coming up eight years, and, uh, and I would say that, you know, we've got a really good culture in our church. You know, one of our cultures was I wanted to be a friendly church, and, uh, you know, and probably the comment we get the most is, wow. I've never felt so loved, I've never felt so accepted, I've never felt so much friendliness in any church. So, so you know, was it there at five years? It was, it was kind of there in pockets, but it's, it's starting to really, really fill. You know, another one was that, you know, one of our cultures is that we're gonna be fresh. 
fresh, real, and powerful. And uh, and people love, you know, man. Every time I come, I just feel so refreshed. That the word is fresh. It's, you know, the teachings fresh. The worship's fresh. Everything you do is it's just fresh. It's invigorating. And then you know, one of our last one is you know of our three main cultural mandates: fresh, real, powerful. Is powerful. You know, we we don't want to just uh, give people a little sermonette. Uh, on a Sunday, we actually want people having a dramatic encounter with a very, very real and very awesome God, and understand that no matter what you're facing, God is bigger. And uh, so, I know some churches have stepped back because you know people died of cancer, and so they've got to make excuses for God. And and uh, you know we don't have a hundred percent track record, but you know it's it's pretty high with people getting healed, people getting delivered, people getting set free, people experiencing miracles. Every week there are miracles in our church because we've made it one of our cultural mandates to be a church that believes in people having a powerful encounter with God. Even, Pastor David, what you've built in the youth ministry in my city is, um, you know, we don't just have pizza and games with a little, you know, little kind of five minute devotional tacked onto the end. We have engaging worship where kids are lifting their hands and kids are prayed for and they're slain in the spirit and they're speaking in tongues and getting baptized in the Holy Ghost and operating in, you know, the gifts of the spirit themselves. And that is so important because people, this generation especially, needs to know that that God is fresh, that God is real and that God is powerful. And if they don't see that in church, if they don't see a church that's fresh, real and powerful, they don't see any God. The church is the visible demonstration of the invisible God. And so we have to be fresh. We have to be real. We have to be powerful because God is fresh. God is real and God is powerful. Awesome. Absolutely incredible. Well, that pretty much wraps it up for this month's edition of our C3 San Diego Leadership Podcast with Pastor Jurgen. Make sure to go register for our Cherish Conference coming up next month. And we will catch you next time here at the C3 San Diego Leadership Podcast. Awesome. God bless you guys out there in podcast land. We love you. Tune in. Maza, we miss you, man. Thanks for listening to our Leadership Podcast. To find out more about our church, go to c3sandiego.com.